Yesterday, I decided to finally create another podcast, and tell me why. Today, I am already itching to do another one because I have been listening to a podcast called "Believing in Bazaar." Believing in the bazaar. Believing the bazaar. Believing the bazaar. Yes, and I absolutely fell in love with mysteries all over again, and that brought me back to the No Sleep Reddit page. And da da da. Guess what? They compiled a list of July and August winners, and I'm so thrilled because I haven't seen any of them. And I was thinking, you know what? Since I wanted to read this anyways, why don't we read it together and create this shared experience? Because I kind of miss reading stories to you all as well. So here's a story. Let me double check. What is the writer's name? Here's a story by Disco Dingus. And the title is called "When I Was a Little Boy, I Befriended a Frog Who Lived at the Bottom of the Garden." Before we fully dive into this piece, trigger warning: child abuse may be mentioned throughout the story. Please proceed with caution. Here we go. I was six years old when my mom and I moved in with Nana. Mom and Dad were always arguing, and sometimes they was hitting. So she took me and left. Nana loved us, but she also loved solitude. I could always tell when I asked too many questions or was playing too loudly. So I take myself outside, weather permitting, and leave her in peace. That's how I met Solomon. It was many years ago, but this is how six-year-old me remembers the experience. Mom was at work. Nana had her feet up, smoking a cigarette as she watched morning television. I was playing on the floor with toy cars. I had received a rolled mat the previous Christmas, and despite it now being summer, I still wasn't bored of it. I pushed the cars around the printed city, marking sound effects. Ben said, "Nana, not angry, but stern." I looked up, a matter-of-fact expression telling me everything. "Sorry, Nana," I said. She smiled, and it warmed her. "It's all right, sweetheart, but Nanny's trying to watch telly." I nodded. "I think I'll go play outside." "All right, come here." She said in a cloud of smoke, planting a big wet kiss on my cheek. Don't go near the pond, remember? I won't, Nana. I said as I wiped my face. One thing about living there was I had no friends. There were no kids anywhere near our house. I had started primary school, but the few kids I played with there lived too far away. So I had to entertain myself. It was a great garden, lots of space to run around, roll around, climb trees. There was even a blackberry bush. Nana said I was allowed to eat a few a day, but I had to wash them first because of bugs and bird poop. You also had to be very careful when picking them because they grew on thorny stalks. At the very bottom of the garden. Was a pond. It wasn't too big, maybe two 
meters wide at most. There used to be fish in it, but when they died, Nana didn't get new ones. Granddad used to like the fish. Nana wasn't too fussed. It had become a bit wild, taken over by algae and water beetles. I had a football that I kicked around sometimes. After I picked up and eaten a few blackberries, having washed them under the outside tab, I look around for it. It was floating on the surface of the pond. Oh no! I said to myself, like it was the end of the world. I looked back at the house and pictured Nana engrossed in her programs. I decided that、mm, she would never know. It was too far to reach by hand with my little arms, but a long stick would help. There were plenty of those to be found, so I grabbed one that stood about a foot away from the edge of the pond. It had a kind of swampy, humid smell to it. There were sections where the algae separated, and there was an abundance of life to be seen. Lots of tiny creatures swimming, wriggling, squirming. Very few kids have the ability to think logically, or that's my excuse, anyways. In hindsight, I should have just laid on my front to take away any danger of falling in. I think in my head, I didn't like the idea of my face being too close to the water. It looked kind of gross, so foolishly, I tried to reach it by bending over and stretching my arms, and that's when I toppled over. Up to that point, I'd never been to a pool. I'd never even been to a beach and paddled in the sea. The biggest expanse of water I've ever been in was the bathtub. I couldn't swim. The most frustrating thing about that was how close the edge looked as my head tried to stay above the surface. My legs kicked out, my arms flared. It's crazy how quickly your energy drains. I tried to scream for Nana. But I kept swallowing mouthfuls of stagnant, lukewarm water. I panicked, my head dropping below the surface. I'd emerge briefly, feeling clumps of algae stuck to my face before going back under. Eventually, it went dark, and then it wasn't again. I was choking up water, laying a few feet away from the pond, soaking wet. I took in long, deep breaths as I stared into the bright blue sky. I closed my eyes and started to feel tears coming on. Then came a voice. "Don't cry, little one." It sounded like a man, but it wasn't a deep voice like my dad's. It was soft and kind. It reminded me a little of my teacher, Mr. Woods. He always sounded cheerful. I turned my head from side to side, perched on my elbows. Down here, there was a frog sitting on my chest, softly croaking. Just a normal, greenish-yellow frog with mottled skin. Its mouth was kind of upturned into a smile. A water beetle scurried in front of it, and its tongue quickly flicked out to eat it. It 
excuse me, it said, swallowing it down. I sat up and it hopped off my chest. Did you just speak? I asked, confused. It nodded slowly, the pale skin under its chin, inflating like a balloon as it breathed. I did, it said. Are you feeling better? Frogs can't talk, I said, pinching my arms. It hurt. I wasn't dreaming. The frog chuckled warmly. Well, technically, I'm not a frog. I mean, I am. But that's not what I would have called myself. That's what your kind called me. I lowered my head a little, getting a closer look. What do you mean, my kind? Well, people, humans. You are human, aren't you? I nodded. Yes, I'm a boy. It laughed. I thought you might be. Do you have a name, little one? I nodded again. Ben, what's your name? Nice to meet you, Ben. I don't have a name, sadly. I frowned. Why not? Its front legs moved up slightly, like a shrug. It's just something we do. As far as I'm aware, I'm the only one of my kind who can talk like this. My mother couldn't have given me a name if she tried. How can you talk? I asked inquisitively, shifting down lower. I laid on my front and put my hands under my chin. It shook its head. Sometimes strange things happen in this world that can be explained. I'm one of those strange things, I guess. If you're the only frog who can talk, that means you're special. Its little mouth turned up at the corners. That's a very sweet way to put it. Thank you, Ben. I can tell that you're special too. I shook my head. No, I'm not. Everyone who I know can talk. The frog laughed warmly. Oh, Ben, that's not the only thing that makes something special. You're special in other ways. Like how? Well, maybe you're special because you can hear me. I looked up to think about it, then nodded. May maybe you're right. I've never ever heard of anyone who can talk to a frog before. Honestly, I don't think many can. I got a little closer. Can I touch your skin? Its mouth opened and laughed. Why on earth would you want to do that? My friend Henry Collins said frogs feel slimy. Well, that's just rude. It said, "I'm sure this Henry Collins is slimy himself." I laughed, shaking my head. No, silly. He's 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 like me. For all that I know, you're slimy too. It said, "I'm not." Feel. I held out my hand, palm side up, just in front of it. It hopped a little closer. Then one of its little webbed feet pressed down on one of my fingers. There was a slight cool sensation. Well, definitely not slimy. It said. See, I told you. Now it's my turn. It sighed. Very well, but be gentle. I'm a lot smaller than you. I will. I stroked its back with my forefinger. It shook its body a little, like a happy dog. Oh my, that tickles a bit.
it said, laughing. I wouldn't say you're slimy, I said. I'm certainly glad to hear it, said the frog. But you feel kind of wet and a little bit squidgy, it gasped. Well, sorry to tell you this, Ben, but you're a bit squidgy too. I laughed and rode onto my back. You're funny. The frog shook his head, but smiled regardless. Oh, to be a child. Ben! Came a loud voice from behind. It was Nana, standing on the back doorstep with the cigarette. My heart jumped a little as I sat up. Yes, Nana. I told you to stay away from that pond. I looked back. I was a few feet away from it. I'm not that close, Nana. She took a drag and blew a big cloud of smoke. I don't care. Get away from it now. Then she went back in the house. Oh, dear, said the frog. I might have just gotten you into trouble. I shook my head. No, I did that myself. I was silly and fell in because I was too close. I paused and got lower again. Wait, did you see how I got out? The frog shook his head. Can't say I did, but I'm glad you're all right. I accepted it just as one of those things. Well, I better get go or or I'll be in, in trouble. I sat up. Are you always here? It nodded and turned its head to the pond. Yes, that's my home. Please come and see me again sometime. I nodded. Definitely, but I'll have to be careful. Nana doesn't see me. It laughed warmly again. I understand. Just to be safe, maybe it's best if you don't tell Nana or Mom or even Henry Collins about me. They might not understand. Does that sound reasonable? I nodded. I don't think anyone will believe me anyways. It gave a slight nod. I think you're right. I got up to leave, brushing bits of grass off my front. My clothes were already drying due to the temperature. Ben, the frog said. I looked down. Would you do something for me? I nodded. Sure. I don't think it will be too difficult for you, but I'd love you to give me a name. You mean I get to decide what your name is? I said excitedly. It nodded. Absolutely, I'd really like that. Unless you're going to call me something silly like Froggy or Hoppy or... I wouldn't like that. I laughed. I won't, I promise. Good. Well, next time we see each other, hopefully I'll have a name. I nodded. You definitely will. I'll I'll really think hard about it. I look forward to it. Goodbye for now, little one. I waved. Bye, Froggy, I said, giggling. It shook his head, but laughed along with me. Oh, Ben, you really are something else. A few weeks passed. I spent plenty of time in the garden, sometimes near the pond, too. But I didn't see the frog, and it was a little disappointing. One day, I came home from school. Mom couldn't always pick me up. So it wasn't unusual for her to arrange a taxi to collect me. I walked through the front door and could hear sniveling. Mom? Nana? I called. 
in here, darling? I heard my mom sit from the living room. I walked in. Her eyes were puffy and red. She held a scrunched up tissue. What's wrong, mommy? I asked. She held out her open arms and I accepted them, feeling my eyes filled up. Part of me knew already. It's Nanny, she said as she hugged me. She's gone to heaven, darling. The house felt different without Nana, but no matter how much mom cleaned around, there always seemed to be the smell of cigarette smoke. It wasn't unpleasant. It offered a strange kind of comfort. It was almost like she was still there. Mom and I were lucky to have the house. It was paid for in full. But mom still had to work. Sometimes I had a babysitter, a nice lady called Sarah, who lived in one of the houses down the road. But sometimes that wasn't an option. I know she felt terrible about it, but my mom would leave me on my own on those occasions. Promise me you'll be a good boy, she'd say. Don't do silly things. Be safe. I'd always promise and always meant it. On one of those days, I was playing in the garden. It had been maybe a month since I'd seen the frog, but I was so happy when I heard his soft little voice. Ben! He was set around a foot from the edge of the pond. I ran over excitedly. Whoa, slow down there, little one, he said. Be safe, remember? We don't want you falling in again. I slowed to a normal pace and nodded, sitting cross-legged in front of him. Sorry, I was excited to see you, he laughed. That's sweet of you, and you don't need to apologize. I feel it's my duty to look out for you when no one else is around. I sighed and nodded. He looked up at me. Your mom is doing the best she can. She loves you very much. It's all for you. I felt a little tear in my eye and wiped it away. I know. It's just sometimes I miss her. And I miss Nana. The frog hopped closer, then leapt onto my knee. It made me smile. I'm so sorry about Nana, little one. Don't ask me how I know these things. But I can tell you she's nearby in some way. She's a bit mad that you're this close to the pond, but she's happy you've got me as a friend. I cried, but they were mostly happy tears. Dry your eyes, little one. You've got a big job to do today. Do you, do you know what? I, I shook my head. N no, I've already tidied my room. I washed up my cereal bowl. I picked up m my cars from the floor. The frog laughed. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the boring jobs like that. This is a very, very important and meaningful job. Tell me, I said excitedly. You need to do me the honor of naming me. I took in the big breath. Oh, oh yes, and I have a name already, a good one. Its little mouth smiled again. Oh my, I can't wait to hear it. My Nana and I used to watch a particular film together, quite a lot. As a kid, I loved it. I need you to remember that. I was a kid because it is a bad film. 
But kids aren't as critical and cynical as adults. They can see past the flaws and focus on the best bits. Well, that's my excuse anyways. King Solomon's Mines. Not only a shameless Indiana Jones ripoff, but shockingly bad all around. It was my Nana's favorite film, mainly because she thought Richard was so handsome. Sometimes it got a little inappropriate, but being a kid, it would go straight over my head. I loved your grandfather, but the things I let him do to me. Little did we know back then that my Nana would have never stood a chance. I loved the film for very different reasons. Not only because it was our film, but for the sense of adventure. I didn't understand a lot of it, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. At the time, it seemed like the only fitting name. And it would honor my Nana's memory too. Solomon, I said with a smile. I'm naming you Solomon. The frog looked at me curiously, turning his head from side to side. Solomon. Hmm. Then it smiled. It's perfect. I clapped my hands. Yay, I'm so happy you liked it. I never doubted you, he said. I'm proud to call myself Solomon. So now, if anyone asks what your name is, you can tell them. He nodded. I can indeed. Though I don't think that opportunity will come up very often. You're still the only thing I've ever spoken to. I gently stroked his back with my finger, and he closed his eyes with a smile. Do do you think you'll ever talk to anyone else? He looked up at me. Honestly, I don't think I'll ever meet anyone else special enough. A few days went by, and seeing Solomon was a given. I was happy to have him as a friend, and I appreciated that he didn't always treat me like a child. He'd tell me things as they were, truth that most adults would hide or sugarcoat. But I always felt he had an underlying responsibility to look out for me too. I was a child, and I could act like one. One day, we were chatting about school. I was laying on my back, and Solomon sat on my chest like the first day I met him. He cut me off mid-sentence, tapping his little wet foot. He turned his head to face the house. Sorry, little one, something's not right. I perched up on my elbows. What is it, Solomon? I could see a change in his expression. He looked concerned. He had this amazing ability to show emotions like we do. Then, someone's coming. Someone you recognize. I need you to know that whatever happens now, you'll be safe. Do you understand? I sat up, and Solomon leapt onto the grass. You're scaring me, Solomon. I don't mean to, little one. It might get scary, but believe me, you'll be safe. My breathing started to get heavier, and I felt butterflies in my stomach. Solomon hopped closer and rested a foot on my hand. Look at me, Ben. I looked down. My breathing stuttered. Do you trust me? My lips trembled a little bit, but I nodded. I did trust him, as much as I trusted my mom or Mr. Woods. 
good boy, he said. I heard a loud noise come from inside the house. It made me gasp. Remember, you will be safe. I'll always be honest with you, but you need to go see who it is. I sniveled a bit and nodded, standing up slowly and turning to the house. I started walking. I'm here, little one, he called from behind. I walked closer to the house, hearing the sound of furniture moving around. Every now and then I heard an expletive. I did recognize the voice. It was my dad. I hadn't seen him since we moved into Nana's house. I didn't want to. He wasn't nice to mom. I walked into the back door and through the kitchen, following the sound of disturbance. They took me to the living room where he was rummaging through drawers. It took him some time to notice I was there. He jumped when he saw me. Jesus fucking Christ, Ben! My hands shook a little. I didn't like it when he used bad words. What are you doing here? I asked. My voice wavering. He shook his head. Hello to you too, boy. Where's your mother? She was at work. I couldn't lie and say she was home, so I said nothing. He laughed. She's not here, is she? The worthless bitch left you on your own. That's negligence. Leaving my fucking son unsupervised. Who does she think she is? Stop saying bad things about mom, I shouted, my whole body trembling. She's got you fucking wrapped around her little finger, hasn't she? He started to step closer. I backed up. What lies has she been feeding you, huh? Turning my own son against me. She didn't tell me anything, I cried. I heard the things you said. I saw what you did. He shook his head and grinned in a sarcastic way. Right, well, you're a little kid and have a wild imagination. She's twisted it. I didn't do shit. I slowly stepped back through the hallway as he edged closer. Anyways, I heard the mother bitch is six feet under. There's got to be some cash laying around here. That bitch hated spending money. Unless it was for a pack of John Player Special, huh? I shook my head. There's nothing. He smiled. Well, I'll just have to keep looking on my own then. There's nothing! I shouted. Stop saying bad things. Get out! The phone was on the little table by the staircase. It was just behind me. I ran to it and started dialing 999. It was a rotary dial, and each nine took forever to make his way around. I barely managed two before he snatched it out of my hand. You little shit, he sneered, pushing me back against the staircase. What the fuck do you think the police are going to do? We'll take you away. Is that what you want? I started crying and hit out on him, but he just laughed. I hate you, I sniveled. I wish you wasn't my dad. As if by magic... The sound of sirens could be heard in the distance. It was enough to spook him, his head turning towards the front door, then back to the phone. No, it couldn't have. That's not possible. It was a miraculous coincidence, but he fell for it. I just stared at him, shaking. You know what? 
I bet you're not even mine, anyways. Your slut mother couldn't keep her legs shut. He backed up to the front door and opened it. Yeah, there's no way a little cunt like you is mine. He left and slammed the door behind him. The words he used was genuinely new to me, so it didn't have the desired impact. It confused me, but I figured it wasn't very nice, anyways. My trembling legs carried me down to the bottom of the garden. Solomon was there. He hopped closer as I got near the pond. "Are you all right, little one?" he asked. I nodded, but fell to my knees and cried. "He didn't hurt you, did he?" I shook my head. "No, I believed you. It was scary, but I believed you." He patted his little foot on my knee. "You're a very brave boy." When Mom came home. I had to explain to her what had happened. She panicked and held me tighter than she ever before. If anything good came from it, is that she told me she would never leave me alone again. I helped her clear up the mess Dad had made. I asked her if she was going to call the police. There was a flash of consideration in her eyes, but she decided against it. That night, when I went to bed, it started to rain. I could hear it tapping against my window. I always loved that sound; it was comforting. It hadn't rained for weeks, which was strange for the UK. I awoke late. A sudden bright flash emanated from behind the curtains, followed by a loud crack of thunder. It startled me. I've never been afraid of a storm, but it took me off guard. It must have been what woke me up. I opened my curtains just enough to see the rain coming down hard. Then I watched in awe as the forks of lightning spread across the night sky. I blinked hard as the next crack of thunder struck, laughing to myself. As the next flash came, I looked down to see Solomon's pond rippling. I thought about how happy he'd be swimming around in the rain. There came a loud crash from inside the house. Then I could hear muffled voices. I jumped down from my bed. My room illuminated briefly by the next sheet of lightning. I knew the thunder was coming, but it still made me flinch as I crept closer to my door. I pulled it open just a little and listened closely. My mom was talking downstairs. No, shouting. Then came the voice that my heart already knew was responsible for it. My legs felt like jelly as I quietly walked across the landing, and held on to the banister, looking down. A flash of light spread across the floor, then a loud scream mingled with rumbling thunder. It filled me with dread. I heard my dad shout more horrible words. Then I saw something that I'll never forget. My mom slowly came into view. She was crawling on her belly, and the back of her head was thick with blood. Her blonde hair clumped together. Mom, I screamed, and her face slowly turned upward. Her eyes briefly met mine. They were wide with horror. Her mouth opened. She was trying to say something. Then she collapsed. 
As I started to cry, my dad came into view. He was holding a hammer, the head of it glossy dark red. He looked up and sneered as the lightning struck again, and the crash of thunder was like a starting gun. I ran back into my room as I heard my dad on the staircase, slamming the door shut. There was a chest of drawers, just to the side, and being young and stupid, I thought I might be able to push it over to stop him from getting in. The reality was, it didn't move an inch. He burst in, making me scream. Time to be with your whore mother, he snarled, swinging the hammer down. I managed to duck out of the way and smack onto the side of the drawers. I was on my hands and knees, crawling to my bed. I wanted to go underneath it, like it would fool him. That silly childish logic again. I didn't get far though. He picked me up by the scruff of my Thomas the Tank Engine pajamas. He held me up by one hand, the other holding the hammer high above. The lightning revealed strands of blonde hair matted onto the head with blood. He grinned in such an evil, hateful way. You know how I know you're not really mine. I have no problem with bashing your tiny little skull in. I grab onto his wrist for support. His clenched fist was just in front of my face. I wanted to try and bite it, but I knew I couldn't reach, so I did the next best thing. As the hammer rose higher. I kicked out as hard as I could with my left foot. I got him good between the legs. The pain I felt in my bare toes was excruciating, but it paid off. He dropped me and fell back, groaning as he let go of the hammers and held his crotch. But of all the places he could have rested, it had to be against the door. I jumped on my bed and threw my curtains open, scrambling to open the window. My dad was moaning behind me. "You little fucker," he said. It was a pitch higher than normal. The window opened outwards. My face splashed with rain. I looked down and could just make out the roof of the little extension that was part of the kitchen. The lightning gave me an even better look. It didn't look like too much of a drop, but it was scary enough to make me hesitate. "You're dead, boy." He screamed, lunging for the hammer and then throwing himself on the bed. I screamed and hung backwards from the window, my hands breaking onto the ledge. The rain came down hard on my face, but I could make out his blurry outline. The flash in the sky showed him looming over me, and as the next thunderclap came, the hammer came down. It caught my wrist. I barely had time to acknowledge the pain. And I was falling. I hit the roof feet first, toppled over, then rolled down slightly slanted tiles until I met the ledge. I tried to cling onto something, but my hands wouldn't grip, slipping with the combination of water and slimy rooftop moss. I hit the back garden hard, knocking the wind out of me. If it hadn't been raining, it might have been worse. The soft grass somewhat cushioned my fall. That being said, I was frozen for a good few seconds as I tried to catch my breath. As soon that was under control, 
that's when I really started to notice the pain in my wrists and toes. I managed to roll over and get to my feet. The back garden was darker than the house, but every flash helped me see the way. I held my wrist to my chest, supporting it with my other hand, and limped on the direction of Solomon's pond. My tears were indistinguishable from the rain. My body was as wet as it had been on the day I met Solomon and almost drowned. My dad's voice roared from somewhere behind me, making me take in a sharp breath. I'm coming for you, boy. No one will recognize you when I'm done crushing your face. I darted onto the greenery on my left, ducking down. I crawled in, wincing as I put pressure on my bad wrist. I didn't stop until I felt a sharp pain on my right shoulder. It was a thorn. I was in one of the blackberry bushes. I sat up and turned around, pulling my knees up to my chest for comfort. Then I slowly rocked myself as my lips trembled. When lightning struck, I saw my dad looking around the garden. The hammer was constantly raised above his head. He poked his head inside bushes, looking behind trees. He smashed the windows of the little garden shed we had and was adamant that he found me, screaming with anger when he realized I wasn't inside. Get your fucking arse out here now! Every crack of thunder made me jump like I wasn't expecting it. My dad turned his head to the sky and roared along with it like a taunt and intimidation. I closed my eyes tight and continued to slowly rock. As my dad started to move over to my side of the garden, there appeared to be another miracle. The second of the day, the storm must have been testing the electricals of the house and something triggered the fuse box. Most of the lights went out. It got his attention. Gotcha, he yelled and ran up the garden. The next flash revealed he'd gone back in the house. I slowly crawled out of the bush and got to my feet, heading left and limping the last few steps to the pond. I was exhausted and in more pain than I'd ever experienced before. But hearing Solomon's voice made everything feel better for just a moment. Little one, I couldn't see him at first, but I could tell I was close to the pond by the sound of the rain as it hit the surface. With the flash, I saw him there on the edge. I fell to my knees and collapsed to my side. Solomon, I cried, reaching out with my good hand. I held it upright and he hopped onto it with the crook. Little one, we don't have much time. I took in the stuttered breath. He killed my mom, I cried. He killed my mom, Solomon. He patted my head with one of his wet feet. No, Ben. In time, she'll make a full recovery. I, I sniffled. How did you know? Because I'm special, remember? I also know you've broken two of your left toes, and your left wrist is fractured. My jaws dropped. My mouth splashed with... How? I just do, little one. Your mother will be fine, trust me. I bawled, 
but it was mostly relief. I believed him. He's still here, Solomon. He's, he's trying to get me. He gently tapped on my hand. I know, little one, but I can't help you. I got up to kneel, and Solomon left from my hand. By that point, I wasn't only shivering from fear, but cold. The rain wasn't letting up. How? I asked. Are you feeling brave? I shook my head. No, I'm scared, Solomon. He's going to hurt me like he hurt mom. He hopped closer and patted my knee. I won't let him, Ben, but I need you to be a, a big, brave boy. Can you do that? I looked over my shoulder. The house briefly illuminated in the flash. Then the lights went back on. It made my heart jump. Please, little one, be brave. I turned back and nodded, but I didn't feel brave at all. My stomach churned. What should I do? Something scary. I need you to bring your father to me. I held my bad hand to my chest. How? Solomon, he'll hurt me before I have the chance. He took his head. Not if you're fast and clever. I know you're clever. I started crying again. I'm just a little boy. Solomon sighed. Oh, Ben, I wish I could hug you. You are so much more than just a little boy. Before I met you, I was just a little frog. But you made me special because you are special. Believe in yourself, little one. I mustered a small smile and shook Solomon on his back. We make each other special, don't we? He smiled and croaked. Exactly. Now bring your father to me. You can do it. Fast and clever. I gulped. Wiped my nose with the back of my good hand and nodded. By that point, the thunder no longer made me jump. That made me feel somewhat brave. I slowly stood up and Solomon leapt to the edge of his pond. Turning, I started walking up the garden. The soft, wet ground squished between my toes and soothed the broken ones a little. Ben, called Solomon. I looked over my shoulder. Thank you for being my friend. I smiled as best as I could under the circumstance, giving him a slight nod. I didn't say anything, but I didn't have to. Solomon and I had a connection. My heart was filled with warmth in that moment, and it spurred me on. I watched as Solomon turned and hopped into the pond with a splash. Then I started preparing for the scariest thing in my life. The back door was open. It was eerily quiet inside. A small part of me had hoped that my dad had left, but I couldn't be sure. I picked up a small saucepan that sat on the counter, my hands trembling. Then I banged it on the cupboard door. Dad, I called. I'm here. It didn't take long at all. Within a few seconds, I heard heavy footsteps on the floorboards. Danny's appeared in the kitchen doorway. The hammer was by his side. He grinned. <laughs> oh, 
I'm gonna enjoy this. He raised a hammer and lunged forward. The first thing I did was throw the saucepan in his direction. That hadn't been planned, but felt like a wasted opportunity if I didn't. It barely touched him, but it was worth a try. I turned and ran, going as fast as I could, given my foot injury. It didn't take long to hear a thump and a painful yell, and I allowed myself to look over my shoulder. I crushed blackberries all over the doorsteps, making it slippery. My dad was laying on the ground, writhing around. He had given me a small advantage. Fuck you! He screamed, getting to his feet. I gasped as I turned back to face the back of the garden. My little toes were so painful, but I still ran as fast as I had in the 100-meter race on my school sports day. At least it felt like it. But I knew my dad was twice, maybe even three times faster than me. It wouldn't take him long to catch up. The lightning flashed and it guided my way, showing me what I needed to do next. As I heard my dad closing in, I jumped. I landed on the wet grass with a little slip, but managed to compose myself and kept running. I heard another yell and look over my shoulder again. My dad was lying on the ground again, swearing. We had a pile of logs in the shed for winter flies, and I placed some in the garden. Ben, he screamed, getting to his feet. I'm gonna start by smashing in your fucking teeth. I turned back and kept running, relying on the lightning again. The thunder roared, but I could still hear my dad behind me. I jumped over another log, but that one didn't stop him. He was looking out for them now. My last attempt at slowing him down was coming up, though he needed to be closer for that to work. Not that I needed to slow down; I was practically within his grasp. He laughed maniacally, and I could hear the hammer as it swiped through the air. I jumped again, but this time I didn't land straight away. There was a branch sticking out from my favorite climbing tree. And I used it to swing myself a little further ahead. When I let go, it swung back and smacked my dad in the face. He screamed as it came to a halt. "Your eyes!" he yelled as I ran with all I had. That was the last of my obstacles. I'm gonna start by gouging out your eyes. I felt panic rising inside me as I sprinted the final stretch to Solomon's Pond. My bad hand clung to my chest, feeling my heart beating hard beneath it. My dad wasn't too far behind now, and there was nothing between us. With the flash of light, I saw the pond, but I saw something else too that gave me a little fright. Protruding slightly from the surface were two big, glowing eyes. Then they raised up slightly to reveal a wide mouth. That was upturned in the corners, like a smile. As the thunder rumbled, I heard a deep croak, and the pale flesh below the mouth inflated intermittently. The eyes were fixed on the mine, and with the final flash of light, before I reached the pond, the large head motioned to the sky. I understood. 
My dad had stopped speaking hateful words and instead screamed in the constant fit of rage. I took a deep breath and left as my toes reached the edge of the pond, landing in the middle of the squidgy wet head. It flicked up slightly to spring me onto the other side, where it landed straight on my arse. I had just enough time to turn and see my dad's terrified reaction as Solomon emerged from his pond in the geyser of water. Solomon roared and shot out his large tongue. It wrapped around my dad's ankle and pulled him over. I watched it in disbelief as he dropped the hammer and tried to claw at the soft ground. Solomon began to retreat back underwater. My dad's screams were more terrifying than the disturbing threats he hissed throughout the evening. All I could see was the very top of Solomon's head as my dad was pulled into the water. His lower legs submerged. Over me! He screamed, his hands tearing at patches of grass. He turned to look over his shoulder at the face with what was to end his violent attack. My dad was as pale as snow, his nose bloodied from the tree. I heard a loud croak as Solomon raised out of the water, then closed his mouth around my dad's waist. He smacked at Solomon's head as he struggled, but I could see him becoming visibly weaker as I heard the sound of crushing bones. Finally, my dad's eyes met mine. I can't be sure, but I think I saw the moment that life left them. They just appear to be voids of any emotion as Solomon dragged them into the depths, and the pond became deathly still. Just a few weeks ago, I happened to be in the area of my Nana's old house. I've long since moved away, as as my mom, who is as fit and healthy as you expect from a 70-something to be. I pulled up outside and took a deep breath as I looked upon it with mixed emotions. The exterior hadn't changed a great deal. The windows were more modern. That was about it. The front door opened and a woman came out walking down the garden path. I shut up the engine and stepped out of my car. Can I help you? She asked cheerfully. Are you lost? I smiled. No, um, actually I grew up here. I was just reminiscent. She beamed. Oh, that's wonderful. You must come inside. I was grateful for her offer and she took me on a little tour of the house. I was amazed at how different it looked. The last time I seen the inside of that house was around the early 90s, where it had the same decor as always. It was very much a family home. There were two children's bedrooms and various family photos dotted around. I got a little lumps in my throat seeing my old room. The woman could tell by my reaction that it used to be mine, lightly touching my arm. As we went back downstairs, she offered me a hot drink, to which I politely declined, but my eyes fell onto the kitchen window and the now completely landscaped back garden. Do you still have the pond? I asked. She nodded.
Oh yes, my husband keeps koi. Do you, do you mind if I take a look? She smiled. Be my guest. I'm making tea. I won't take no for an answer. I stepped outside. There was no longer grass as you left the doorstep, but a modern patio with outdoor furniture. The old shed had been replaced with what looked like small annex. There was a large trampoline in the center of the garden. Six-year-old me would have loved that. As I approached the garden's end, the pond came into view. It was beautifully maintained. The edge was decorated with rocks. There was even a mini waterfall. I crouched down and watched the koi kiss the shimmery surface. My heart filled, and I felt my eyes glazed over, having not thought about that pond for some time. There was a croak to my left. I looked down to see a little frog hop towards me. It made me smile. "Hello, you," I said, lightly stroking his back. It made no attempt to hop away. It looked up at me, and I swear its little mouth looked like it was smiling. I got more comfortable and held out my hand, palm side up. The frog willingly hopped on top. My heart jumped. I brought it closer to my face and studied it. It had been years since I seen Solomon, and with no offense intended, I wasn't sure I'd be able to tell him apart from any other frog. And given their short lifespan, he'd probably be long dead already. But Solomon wasn't like other frogs. He was special, and this was a curious behavior. Solomon, I said quietly, paranoid I'd be heard by the welcoming woman. It just looked at me and croaked contently. It's me, Ben. A part of me was preparing for a response. I wasn't sure how adult me would react to that. There came none, just a pleasant little expression on his face as it croaked. <laughs> I let out a little laugh. Once upon a time, there was a very special frog who lived here. I know it sounds silly, but he was the best friend I ever had. I never got to thank him for what he did for my mom and I, so I'll say it to you: thank you, Solomon. I felt tears in my eyes as I shook it off. Preparing to put the frog down, but it moved closer to my face and placed its little wet foot on my nose, tapping lightly. The woman in the house seemed genuinely warm, as I'm sure her husband is too. But I knew in my heart, if either of them turned out to be monster, their children would be safe for as long as they lived here. Oh my God! The way I teared up towards the end, I was almost legit crying. This one caught me by surprise. I thought it was going to be scary one, something supernatural. Maybe the frog was going to emerge and eat the child, or the frog was going to be the one abusing the kid. But turned out to be a good story, and I can't wait to read another one next week. So in the meantime, stay safe. If you're a parent, be good to your kid. 
if you're a kid, be good, be good to your friends because, hey, watch out. I'm going to send another Solomon your way and they're going to eat you in your sleep or on a rainy day. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to today's Creepypasta story. I hope I will see you next time. In the meantime, take care.